0: Input mapper. Hello. Hey everybody and welcome to a new episode of Forgotten Horror Classics. This is the Indie Film Cafe show where we take a look at movies that have sort of been forgotten or been overlooked or people just don't talk about because they either don't remember or never saw it when it came out. And today I am joined by... Joe. Yay. Hi Joe. By the way, I forgot to mention I am uh, your old pal, the Moo Cow, a.k.a. Paul A. Presenza. And Joe has kindly decided to join me for tonight's show, which is on the 1999 movie, Ravenous.
1: Like the best cannibal movie ever. There you go. (laughs) Have have you seen this movie before? I had never even heard of it. Mm. But I did recognize one of the actors... uh, I can't remember his name already.
0: Uh, Jeffrey Jones. Probably. Yes,
1: because he was in like Beetlejuice and, and Sleepy Hollow and a bunch of the stuff I remember seeing <laughs> when I was in high school.
0: So, so yeah, the re- I think one of the reasons why um, this one didn't quite get the mention. Uh, there's a thing a place online I remember reading. They said uh, 1999 was kind of a wacky year. There were a bunch of very memorable movies, and this sort of got lost in the shuffle so the matrix fight club phantom menace being bound john malkovich sixth oh. sense magnolia three kings a whole bunch of movies yeah
1: i saw a lot of those all came <laughs> out.
0: and this one kind of got lost in the shuffle although i did see it in the theater and i loved it and yeah it just it kind of got and then there were some issues with the production and i think Fox just didn't really quite know what to do with it because they weren't sure if it was a comedy or if it was a horror movie <laughs> or a horror comedy or they didn't really know what they had on their hands. And this movie only made I think the box office was like two million or something, which, you know, for a movie of them it's just not very good. So it just was kind of forgotten when it came out. And then um, in time, it's kind of become a cult classic, I guess. A lot of people have discovered it uh, through, I guess, VHS and maybe seeing it on uh, HBO or wherever. And people who have seen it have universally liked it, at least everyone that I've mm-hmm. talked to who've seen it. It's just that it hasn't been seen by a lot of folks or discussed, which is a real shame because, like you said, it, for a cannibal movie, this is pretty darn tasty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you know what they say, and being a cannibal is really lonely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's a period piece.
1: Yes, oh my gosh. Set in
0: 1847, and I, I you like your period pieces, I do. don't you?
1: Yes, a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this is way, way cool. And um, you think you can kind of quickly talk about what happens in Ravenous?
1: Yeah, uh, so it basically starts with a soldier who... Fails spectacularly on the battlefield. Um, he just chickens out and plays dead while all of his um, his comrades are slaughtered around him. And um, he's dealing with some serious PTSD and guilt over his, his cowardice, basically.
0: Or being smart, depending on how you look at well,
1: it. Well, yeah, but it, it, he's clearly interpreting it as cowardice. And... Um, and so then he gets reassigned to um, this way station, basically out in California, and Hork- in the mountains. Yeah, near the mountains. Um, and it's winter, and so it's beautiful and snowy and awesome. It's like, like I was saying when we first started watching it, like, wow, this must have been fun to shoot because mm. the scenery that they it's got gorgeous. to traipse through um, is just so gorgeous. But. Um, Anyway, he ends up out at this way station, and um, he sort of opens up a little bit to the, the commander that's there. Um, but then um, one night, this uh, man just mysteriously shows up in the window and scares the crap out of everybody. <laughs> and they bring him in, and he's freezing to death and looks maybe a little, I don't know, I guess he didn't really look malnourished, did he? But he looked bad. He looked like he'd been through something. He comes in and, you know, it takes him a few days to wake up. And when he wakes up, he tells a story of trying to make the journey Mm. west in covered wagons. And they, of course, get snowed in and the whole Donner Party type situation ensues. And he says that, um, was it it General Ives? Colonel Ives. Colonel Ives um, was... um, kind of goes nuts because once they run out of food, the first person to die, they decided to eat the person and and he starts really enjoying eating people and he says he went nuts and kills everybody, right?
0: Although it's funny because he said, I had to admit, the smell (coughs) of grilling meat was just delicious. He
1: was like, I thanked God (laughs) when I smelled it (laughs) and and, then, you know, it's horrific, right? But... So they decide, well, but there might still be some of those people out there. Let's let's go see if we can rescue them. So they go out there, and you kind of know something's up in the middle of the night because um, <laughs> they wake up. One of the guys had gotten injured on the hike and had a pretty gnarly wound, and he wakes up in the middle of the night screaming because the, the guy... Who, who had survived the cave cannibal, cannibal encounter, was licking his wound. He was licking and me! And he screams like he was licking me, he oh, was licking God. me. Oh my gosh, it was so horrible. And, and like
0: not even licking him like on the leg or on the neck or something nice. The wound. Oh Ooh. gross. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. Maybe even sucking something. Uh, oh,
1: probably because there was definitely blood in his uh, mouth and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So gross. And so they you know tie his hands for the rest of the trip but but in the back of your mind, you're thinking about a conversation that um, Captain Boyd, right? Captain Boyd, um, who is like the main character, he had had with um, a Native American woman back at the um, back at the way station, Martha. Martha. Yeah, Martha. And she had said, and her brother too. What's what's her brother's name? I George, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um,
0: Which makes sense, George and Martha.
1: I, does it is Washingtons that... oh there you go ah oh, I didn't notice that mm-hmm. anyway um, there's lots of metaphors and stuff about America yes. in this so yes. we'll get to that but um, so yeah so um, he's thinking back on the conversation <clears throat> where um, I think it was the brother that actually brought it up first the the um, the uh, myth of the Wendigo, Wendigo. And, and it's <laughs> you know, basically a cannibal that gets stronger the more humans it feeds on but the more you feed on it the more you have to keep doing yeah it's you like know? it
0: steals their strength and,
1: and yeah you steal yeah. the strength and the soul of the other person basically that you eat and so um
0: and then you're no longer interested in regular food you have to continue to eat eat mm, ravenously
1: yes yeah exactly hence we have a title right hence okay we have a title. so they get to the cave and two of them, um, Colonel Boyd and, I. of course, I can't remember the other soldier's name because he didn't last very long. Which one was that? The blonde one that looked...
0: Oh, the, that The guy. Billy
1: Idol-looking one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, gosh, I forget his name. Yeah, uh, he didn't last... Private Reich.
1: Reich. Okay, yeah. He didn't last very he long. Out. He looked very German, didn't he? I wonder if that was on purpose. <laughs> I, I He did. Because I remember I said, he looks like Klaus Kinski. But anyway, um, so um they go in and explore the cave and they get to where all of the corpses which are now actually just skeletons because every bit of meat's been picked off these things and they count them they're like one two three four five six wait well who's this then you know (laughs) because he said there would there had been seven in the party and that um he escaped it's like wait a minute oh shit it's a trap Because they realize he's the one that killed them all, not this, you know, Colonel Ives guy. Meanwhile,
0: he's out there schwacking the other guys. Yeah, he's
1: out there schwacking. Yep. And he basically schwacks everybody. There's a really great scene, though, where he starts chasing the the mildly um, mentally impaired guy.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, he's chasing him. And... Um, and there's just like this crazy banjo music going on. Like, I mean, it sounds a little bit like you know. It was a happy
0: Campbell Hillbilly hoedown. It
1: was, but he, but but the whole time the guy's screaming because he knows he's about to get eaten, and he does. get He does. But that banjo music, it just, it was so weird.
0: Private Toffler.
1: Yeah, it was so. Private Toffler. He was so cute. I mean, he he was the nicest, and and he had he was just like genuinely excited about everything and oh i loved him so much and i was very sad when he got it probably <laughs> tasted
0: sweeter than all the <laughs> oh probably
1: yeah very tender <laughs> <laughs> sweet and tender nom, 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 nom. so um anyway the the main character is the only one who survives this ordeal and he comes uh, <clears throat> he has a little scrape with the the wendigo um, but he a little scrape. He uh, jumps off a right, cliff to get does. away from him. He gets a compound fracture and lays in the woods for a month, which is not great. But <laughs> but but his comrade, uh, uh, what is it, Private Reich or whatever, right, yeah. whatever rank he. I can't keep the Private. ranks. Okay, I can't keep the rank straight. But anyway, eventually, after a couple of weeks, and he's starving to death, he starts cutting pieces of you know, right. Yes, You do. It's the right stuff. (laughs) But he, uh, yeah. So he eats a bit of him and that gives him strength, you know, unnatural strength. Mm -hmm. And he's able to walk back to camp with a compound fracture with a limb, with a limb. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But, 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 but but I guess the more we get into it, you realize that when they eat human flesh, it helps them heal, you know? So, so he gets back to camp and he's trying to tell people what happened, and of course, no one believes him because it's crazy, right? <laughs> and then um, they have to bring in a new colonel, right, to run the way station because the other guy is gone. Mm-hmm. They presume dead out in the woods somewhere, and um, it's Colonel Ives. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's our boy. Uh, yeah, and um, and
0: Colhoun. Uh, and his the only yeah, and
1: the only ones that recognize him are boyd the main character who everyone already thinks is crazy and um the drunk what's his name uh, Captain... the doctor
0: the drunk doctor. yeah the That's veterinarian major, uh, major
1: knox major knox there we go yeah and major knox doesn't really remember <laughs> anything that was happening because he's drunk this whole movie you know there's like only maybe one scene where he's not drunk and he's starting to get drunk there right. so yeah um yeah so anyway um Nobody believes them, and people start dying, of course. And um, and then one of the big twists that I totally didn't see coming. Um, what's his face? Who's the other colonel? Colonel
0: Hart, Jeffrey Jones.
1: Yeah, Jeffrey Jones, the guy I, the, the one actor that I recognized and loved from the nineties. <coughs> um, yes, he um, he's back because he says he was almost dead, and then he woke up suddenly, and Ives was feeding him, and feeding him obviously people and once you do that there's kind of no going back and so he's like all right whatever nom nom lady fingers yeah (laughs) and then he um he just decides to join this ives guy clearly conflicted about it Mm. still a good person you might be yeah but i mean he was force-fed human meat while he was dying it's not like he had a choice there but now he's this thing right? right and it's like what do you do um so.
0: So now they're trying to convince Boyd to join them.
1: Right. Right.
0: And they've sent out poor Martha <clears throat> to find more, uh, you know, troops to bring back so that they can start eating some more.
1: Well, yeah, or converting more because or converting more. the the idea was they wanted to get a whole bunch of them that were like them. Out there. Because, well, at least a few. Yes. Because
0: yeah. he says he didn't want too many mouths to feed. Well,
1: yeah, that's true. But but just to keep the ruse up, because if every time they sent them a new person, they died, that would start looking awfully suspicious. Right, and
0: then that's the thing, is that he said, you know, this, this way station fort, everybody who's coming to California has to come through here. Right. And so he's going to, like, they're going to just start selectively murdering people and eating them.
1: Right, right. Which is a serious flaw in his argument, although we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. So, I missed that. Oh, I missed it. You'll have to tell me because I didn't see a flaw. I thought that sounded great. <laughs> but, all right. So, well, um, I know you
0: like the cabin. You're like, I could live there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Killing people and eating them.
1: Uh, well, no, uh, without the killing people and eating them. The stew them, looked good. The though. stew, well, let's minus, minus the Knox burger. Mushroom. Yeah, yeah. He had a lot of vegetables in there. I could handle the vegetable part. There you go. But um he put a lot of carrots in that stew. I don't he, he must did. have thought that it would balance well with alcoholic major. <laughs> right,
0: right. So Jeffrey Jones' character finally decides he can't stand it anymore. And so he frees um, he frees Boyd, Boyd and yeah. Boyd kills him. And then there's the big battle at the end between Boyd and and uh, Ives. Mm hmm. And of course they kinda sort of both have to die. And then the funny thing is, you know, they're both dying at the same time in this bear trap, and he's like, I know if you die first, I'm gonna eat your ass. Yeah. But if if I die first, are you gonna eat me? Yeah. That's the big question. Mm -hmm.
1: And And, yeah.
0: Yeah, so And he
1: doesn't. He redeems himself. Because, you know, you might have thought that he did that cowardly thing at the beginning, you know, whether or not you believe that apparently Paul didn't he was like, ah, fuck them, I'm gonna survive. (laughs) But um but I think he felt redeemed in the end.
0: It was great because then Martha comes in and says, What a bunch of crazy ass white folks and just leaves. Yeah. she says, That's it, I'm out. Yeah,
1: yeah. She just walks out the front (laughs) gate and she's like, Nope, I'm done with this place. Nope. And and then... What happens with the other
0: colonel? Dumb who? colonel
1: sees the stew sitting on the on the fire, and he's like, Ooh, this look, this smells really good. Nom, 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 nom. And...
0: <laughs> Tasty. Yeah.
1: So now we have another Wendigo, Wendigo running around, um, much stupider than the others. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. To yeah.
0: But you see, the thing about that, though, is that even if that were to happen with him... He's probably not going to continue because he doesn't know. He doesn't know the the legend. You know, all the other ones knew about the legend.
1: Yeah. So
0: all he's going to do is feel great for a while. Maybe if he was sick, feel pretty good. And then he's going to be hungry for something. Then he... He's not going to have I think the stew it, left.
1: I think he'll figure it out. It's just like vampires. So. Oh, yeah. You eventually, you're like, yeah, that's the thing that I think. I mean, be I tasting. don't know.
0: This was a great stew. Maybe I should start killing people and eating them. That's I, a big leap of logic.
1: It's not when you're, like, starving to death and you just, like, your animal brain takes over. I think you totally, like, you remember that show, um, that Netflix show, Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. when the priest has no idea what's happening to him and. But then, after he kills his first person, he goes, Oh, I get it. <laughs> this is what I have to do. They figure it out. Yeah,
0: yeah maybe. They, they figure it out. That guy seemed kind of dumb, though. So, I don't know.
1: Well, he was pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's in a nutshell, I guess. Um, Very
0: black humor, which is what I like it because uh, it I... sort of sets you up to be like a period comedy. And that's not really where it goes. No, not it, at all. It gets very dark there, and very bloody.
1: There's, some, there's definitely some comedic elements to it, but it's almost like um, you laugh at it the way you would laugh at, like, I don't know, the scene in, um, in um, what's the other hillbilly movie? What am I thinking of? Um, with the banjos.
0: Oh gosh, you're talking about... Ned uh, Beatty and... Yeah, uh, Deliverance.
1: Deliverance, thank you. Yeah, it's like laughing at the scene where Squeal like a pig boy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's like laughing at that. It's like... You laughed
0: at that? Good Lord. It's
1: not funny, but it's it's like you're laughing because it's so horrible, you know?
0: Well, (laughs) there's something to be said for being in the original audience when you saw that and being horrified and then seeing it... 30, 40 years later, with the reputation, right? And everybody's that's heard true. about it. And it's it's made an impression on modern society, so that people have parried it. In oh, right, and,
1: right. See, I I didn't get the unadulterated version of Deliverance. I right, got uh, right, right, right. I got, oi, oi, you know. <laughs> so, um, yep.
0: Yeah. So, but it definitely comes off as as a black, dark comedy, and the thing is. I don't know that this was the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. So I guess I could talk a little bit about the background of this film. Go for it. This was a troubled, muddled production. Apparently, the, um, the original director, whose name I forget, was fired two weeks into the production. Mm. So most of what you see is nothing to do with him. So then Fox decided to bring in this other guy. He lasted even less. Oh. And there was some kind of crew mutiny that said, we don't want this person. This person has no idea what they're doing. They didn't like them. Made, made that person go away. Okay. And so the producer's like, well, what the hell are we going to do? And so Robert Carlyle, the guy who plays the Colonel I slash uh-huh. uh, Colquhoun, says, well, I have a friend named Antonia Bird, who is a director, and I've worked with her on various other projects. She would do it if you gave her the, the chance, and that's what they did. So they gave it to Antonia Bird. So the cool thing is, is that Antonia Bird has a, a, a number of other projects under her belt. She'd done a number of TV series like, um, let's see, uh, she was in the EastEnders, she, and that's mm-hmm. like a famous British production she was in South of the Border. She was in, She did uh, the Bill. She was a director for a number of different uh, TV shows, and then and she did a couple of movies. She did Priest. She did Mad Love. She did Face, and so she had had film uh, directing experience. And then Ravenous came along, and so they they brought her. But none, none of those other productions she had done was anything remotely like the subject matter or the tone or anything like this film. Neither (coughs) can I say that about the writer Ted Griffin. Ted Griffin uh, was the writer for this one, and he had written previous things like, well, first of all, Ravenous was his first um, professional writing production. Wow. But he also did, like, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, He was the screenwriter for that. Yeah, Matchstick Men. He also wrote on The Shield. Remember we were talking about The Shield earlier? Yeah, we were, yeah. He wrote a number of uh, of uh, episodes for that, and he also wrote Killers and Solace and a few other things. But again, <clears throat> nothing like this film right. with this sort of black humor. So I don't know where the hell this came from. I don't know who made the decisions about this. I don't know who did the post production, you know, uh, work where they decided what music to use because. There was a conscious effort to utilize the music the mm-hmm. way that they did it, yeah, especially in the way that it was setting things up and setting the audience up to think one thing and then to go in a kind of another direction. I mean, the music was was pretty important in this. Film, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are parts when it's pretty comedic, and there are other parts where it's just dark as hell,
1: mm-hmm. and there
0: are other parts where it's like la 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 la, where it's just odd.
1: Yeah, you yeah, know? it's it. I thought it was all very good though. I really, oh, enjoyed yeah, it was great, which is the other reason there why I this... wish Matt
0: was here to, yeah, to, yeah, because he loves music, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he, um, there was this one part that, that you noticed in the very beginning, and this and it came back multiple times. But this piece where the banjo was just plucking the same note over and over and over mm-hmm. and a ding, 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 ding. And it's like, first I was a little annoyed. And then I was like, oh, it's just like unrelenting, mm-hmm. you know, just. Yeah, mm. it, there, yeah there are times yeah. when
0: it's annoying in the scene or just it just feels out of place. And then there's other times where it's there and it ratchets up the tension in the mm-hmm. scene. So, wow, I don't know. So that's the thing. I can't tell whether that was an extremely skillful post-production thing there or if that was by accident because there were so many people involved who really weren't part of the the beginning.
1: It worked extremely well. So however it happened, it it would be amazing if that was a coincidence. Yeah,
0: whoever ended up doing the editing and post-production stuff Really knew what they were doing. So Mm -hmm. I don't know whether Fox said, please, we need help with this project and got their best people to work on it. But they did a great job. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, this is all combined with, A, the acting was all fabulous. I mean, everybody was just dynamite. Um, The locations were gorgeous. Mm -hmm. They were absolutely great. It's like kind of like the thing where you're sort of, uh, you know, isolated Mm -hmm. in this hostile um, forbidden landscape Even though it's beautiful It'll also kill you Yeah If you wander yep. away too far Yep But it's also Beautiful to look at um, Let's see uh, The costumes Were right on mm-hmm. par I mean those were Pre-Civil War Military Double-breasted Big-button suits there that they were Mm -hmm. utilizing tassels on the shoulders yeah yeah. Yeah, someone did their homework and did the the costumes really really well
1: there were some excellent beards Mm -hmm. in this too and and facial hair the uh colonel knox with his not colonel major knox with Mm -hmm. his mutton chops
0: i mean down to the the wrought iron kettles with the wooden scoops
1: Mm -hmm. you know i mean it
0: was and the 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 wrought, uh, the rough wrought iron knives with wooden handles, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and and little brass buttons holding them. I mean, it was just yeah. really well done. Really good yeah. attention to detail. And um, it's just the whole thing combined just made it amazing.
1: You know, lots amazing. of old books. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was
0: cool. Figured you'd like that. Yes. You know, lots of cool books. Um, so, who was involved in this film as far as the actors? Well... First of all, we've got Guy Pierce. He's our lead, playing uh, poor Captain Boyd, who's not having a good day. He's not having much fun. He has been in a ton of different things. Probably he is most famous. Uh, let's see here. Probably most famous in L.A. Confidential. I don't know if you saw that. That's,
1: I've heard of it, but oh, I did it's not. Oh, a great I...
0: film. we got to get you to watch I that. That's, that's one of the best films uh, of, of that sort of... Neo, new neo noir, yeah. yeah. That you need to see. It's great. And in fact, that was probably that was only a couple of years uh, before Ravenous. But after that, he was just he's an Australian actor and he was in a whole bunch of stuff. He was in a, the the new Count of Manny Cristo. He was in Memento. I don't know if you saw uh-huh, Memento. that yeah. was a great movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the Proposition, Winged Creatures, uh, Animal Kingdom, King's Speech. He was in there.
1: Oh gosh, yeah
0: um prometheus he was in a whole bunch of things so he's he's our lead and he's always really really good and our antagonist is robert Carlyle, who also has been in a million things uh he, the 90s were uh, especially the late 90s were sort of his big his big time but he was in probably the most popular thing was train spotting he was mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the crazy irish goon and that he was also in the full monty and he was in Face, which is mm-hmm. Antonia Birds film, which was right before Ravenous. He was also in Plunkin' and McLean, Angela's Ashes, The Beach, um, Black and White, uh, Mighty Celt, and just, you know, a whole bunch of different things. So, yeah, always, always a good choice. Uh, David Arquette is Private Cleaves. He was the stoner dude, <laughs> and of course, he's one of the many famous arquettes that uh, are in all kinds of different movies. He's been in a bunch of different things, but he's also somebody who's worked as a producer, an executive producer, co-producer. He's done some directing. He's done a little bit of everything. He every had
1: one thing. of my favorite lines in the movie when, when they were giving him the grocery list to go into town, which is, you know, like a couple weeks away, right? And and they're like, get know bacon and beans and flour and oil you got that and he starts listing it and he goes bacon beans flour or peyote women (laughs) (laughs) and martha's like no women Women. no no women
0: (laughs) yeah he's been around he was in parenthood he was in the outsiders he was in buffy the vampire Mm. slayer the the actual movie beverly hills 90210 uh Let's see, uh, Airheads, Wild Bill, Dead Man's Walk, Friends. Just you know, Scream 2 was probably his most, probably one of his most famous things. He was in just a bunch of stuff. He was very good too. Uh, Private Toffler, the, the 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 guy who was like trying to make up some kind of like Christian hymn.
1: Oh yeah, that it, poor did, guy. did you get the impression he was um, mentally disabled or at least somewhat?
0: Just maybe super naive, perhaps.
1: I, I don't know. I felt like there was something else going on with him, but well, that he was, didn't read very well. We could tell that yeah. because they were correcting his reading all the time. But anyway. That was Jeremy
0: Davies, <clears throat> and he was in The Wonder Years. He was in Melrose Place. He was in Twister. He was um, probably most famous for being in, uh, you've seen uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who plays Upham, uh, huh. the cowardly uh, uh, private the one who gets the German, yeah, you know, you yeah.
1: Know. I haven't seen it in a long time. In but... fact,
0: this was right after, uh, you know, Ravis was right after Saving Private Ryan, so his his stock was way up, <laughs> and he was in. He was on just a whole bunch of stuff. He was in Dogville and Helter Skelter, and he was on Justified and, and Lucifer TV series.
1: Oh, that's Sleepy recent, Hollow, kind of Twin Peaks. Yeah, <gasps> Twin
0: Peaks. So he was in a bunch of stuff, and he's always interesting. Your buddy, Jeffrey Jones, of course. um, Yay!
1: I love him. Been in
0: a million billion things. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, among other things. Sleepy
1: Hollow. Sleepy
0: Hollow, Ed Wood, um, Valmont, Howard the Dog, Ferris Bueller's Day Uh Off, all sorts of stuff. He had some professional issues that we don't need to get into. He did? He did. Aww. And that, that. Him out for a good while, but then he sort of like he
1: did bad stuff. He
0: did some bad stuff.
1: Oh crap, I really liked him. And
0: he was on, he came back and he did uh Deadwood, the TV show, but he also was on the the Deadwood movie, which was really Mm -hmm. good. But yeah, but he's even so, he's always a good actor and he's he's got one of those faces. He plays such lovable
1: characters though, (laughs) that's terrible. Oh, it'd be like hearing like Radar from MASH was like a rapist, you know.
0: And then your 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 buddy uh, Reich mm-hmm. was played by Neil McDonough, and um, I knew him from things like uh, oh gosh, what was the American uh, the World War Two series that was on? Oh come on, brain. Um, well, I know he's on a bunch of other things, but uh, let's
1: see. yeah, I didn't recognize him.
0: Yeah, he while well, he was in Star Trek, uh, and he was in. Um, White Dwarf and NYPD Blue, so he was in a bunch of TV shows. He was in White shows. Dwarf? Yeah. Oh, no,
1: I'm thinking of Red Dwarf. Never mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's totally different. Uh,
0: Murphy Brown, he was in that show. He was just in a whole bunch of different stuff. And, yeah, he's always he's always very uh, very obvious as well. He, he always can be yeah, a band of brothers. That's what. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in band. That's where I knew him from. And Minority Report, I don't know if you ever saw yes, that movie. Yes, I love and, that movie. Um, Silent Man, and yeah, Green Arrow, he was in that, and CSI, and just a whole bunch of stuff. So the, the cast is really, really, really good. And there's some other folks in there too, but, you know, just having this fantastic cast, and all of them were really, really into their characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a horror movie though, I don't know, this really walks the line. I can't really call it a horror comedy because I think the comedy is incidental it, it, and very yeah. dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it makes you laugh, but then you're like, ha ha ha, uh, exactly. I feel dirty <laughs> for laughing right now. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: You know, it is got the supernatural stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very violent and bloody. Yep. So, you know, I think. I, I, I don't know, I think Fox at the time just didn't know what to do with it. It's like, well, it's not really funny-funny for a comedy. It's not scary-scary for horror fans. It's just kind of violent, and we don't understand it. I
1: wish they could have turned up the, uh, the metaphor about how all this is like, The embodiment of the American spirit, yeah, (laughs) manifest
0: destiny, eating everything in its path.
1: Exactly, exactly, and and it's funny because it's a period piece, and the 21st century would have been like, hold my beer, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are just such a consumer culture,
0: exactly, and that's sort of. Like consume people, everything
1: in sight. I mean yeah, and
0: this is what Americans have become. They've become yeah, wendigos. they're just devouring it. Exactly.
1: Everything. But it's but it's like even and it's back never then never enough. Yeah, it's never enough, right? Never enough.
0: So yeah, this it was really cleverly done. It was mm-hmm. really well directed. Everything was put together and yet it had this tumultuous production
1: that you'd never would have known. Uh nine, like ninety nine you...
0: times out of a hundred would have sunk a movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, I never would have guessed any of that. Had so you not told me. A
0: couple of things. So, first of all, yeah, getting back to Colhoun's plan. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dumb plan.
1: Okay, why is it dumb?
0: Because only a very small group of people, even if they're all coming to California, are going to pass through that particular fort. And if you start etting them, it's going to be noticed.
1: That you, you at only the people that went through that place? What you
0: need to do is you need to go to a place like San Francisco or New York or, or Chicago, where there are hundreds of thousands of people who won't be noticed when
1: you start eating. Because to eat cause them. they've already made it. Yeah. You need to be like when Dracula comes into London. Right. You know, like exactly. nobody's, because everybody in Transylvania knew what he was. Oh,
0: Christ. Go to New
1: York, where <laughs> they were
0: still dealing with people in the Five Points who were getting killed and just left in the streets and nobody yeah. cared. Yeah, true. You know, yeah, he would have had a field day. He probably could have lived forever. So, yeah.
1: Probably. Yeah. That was a flaw. I I, I get you.
0: And then the second thing is, you know, I I don't want to go about, you know, disproving myths. I mean, of course, there are no Wendigos. It's just fun to pretend that there were such things. I mean, there might be. But the idea that by eating human flesh, humans get stronger, it's kind of pretty much the opposite. There's a reason why cannibalism has been a universal taboo.
1: Because there's a disease associated... There are many diseases associated with it. you start eating
0: people and Even if you cook it? Yeah, because you can't... Yeah, because they have these things called prions. And cooking does not break down prions. And it will give you things like Kuru and um, uh, Kretzfeld-Jakob's disease and other sorts of things that will eat little holes in your brain and then you die.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: yeah, you actually get sicker because of that. And so our human ancestors figured that shit out a long, 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 long time ago. Even the Neanderthals weren't doing that. I mean, they've were. They they seen Neanderthal burials where they actually took care of the bodies and actually gave things like grave goods and, and things. Mm-hmm. And not the sort of things we associated with Neanderthals, but right. the fact is even they understood that it's not a good idea to be eating your own mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's problematic right then and there
1: yeah but it's like a horror slash like supernatural sure. movie i mean come you on you gotta put
0: that to the side
1: i mean they were absorbing souls it, it will override whatever because it cured his um tuberculosis why couldn't it cure all that other mm-hmm. stuff you just need to eat enough people uh maybe the right kind of people maybe you need really strong people and then uh, it yeah, will override the disease well uh, and then the idea
0: <laughs> that from at least the native american point of view it really it wasn't so much the flesh it was the spirit yeah. you were consuming the spirit and the strength of that individual mm-hmm. and that that's what was transforming you It wasn't so much i guess the the meat part though i guess that helped
1: well how else would you ingest the soul
0: i don't know oh, okay <laughs> there since i don't believe they're actually that's is what was one. in
1: that pipe that the one guy was smoking all the time maybe possibly <laughs> possibly Peyote women,
0: but I guess soul with a little bit of potatoes and a little bit of carrots. Oh, god, damn tasty! Oh, (laughs) it
1: made quite a gravy that that meat, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh,
1: poor, poor Major Knox, but probably all tasted like bourbon.
0: The thing is, is that there's a price to pay, and the price is you don't get to just live happily ever after. Now you've changed, and even though you've become, you know, quote unquote, stronger and healthier. The fact is, you can't go back and live your own life and just eat vegetables and the the flesh of animals. Now you're stuck.
1: It's like being a vampire. Pretty much.
0: Pretty much, I guess. They didn't really take it to its logical conclusion, which is to say, if I continue to kill and eat people, will I eventually live forever? Who knows? There would have been an interesting follow-up story where maybe we pick up Ravenous Part 2, but it's 300 years into the future. You know, to today, and now we're like, oh yeah, it's. Would that have
1: been an awful lot like Interview with the Vampire then, though? though? (laughs) I guess so. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what Brad Pitt was doing.
0: Except instead of blood, it was the flesh, and there wasn't the mystical, mystical, magical pojem stuff behind it either. True. But yes, but that that was a possibility that I thought was would have been interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. so. And that's just it. I mean, how tormented would Guy Pierce's character have been? Clearly, Robert Carlyle would have had no problem doing no,
1: that. No, nope, no. And but the other guy, and again, can't remember his name, the Colonel, the good Colonel. Um, he could not handle it. And the, I liked that the thing that got him um, Colonel Hart. Colonel Hart. He yeah, Hart. Oh, I mean,
0: think about it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I think, do you think Colonel Boyd was Colonel Boyd because they kept referencing how young he was? Possibly. Anyway. Yeah, everything seemed to have some kind <clears throat> of a metaphor going on, but... Um, yeah, there was thought put behind the screenplay. Mm-hmm. But I loved the fact that the thing that brings Colonel Hart back, you know, and decides he can't live like this anymore and keep killing people is he starts talking about his old philosophy books. Mm-hmm. And and that's what does it for him. He's like, yeah, I can't do this. I, nope. Yeah. against everything i've ever but it was also kind of neat because he was talking about but what did all my ethics and my morals ever get me you know mm-hmm. got me here in this shitty way station in the middle of nowhere i'm like this super educated intellectual man but uh, i'm stuck out here wasting my life you right. know
0: whereas so, as Calhoun says you know you know, morality is the, the last bastion of a coward. Lord. yeah. Clearly, yeah. he has no problem throwing away traditional human morality mm-hmm. if it benefits him.
1: Do you think it might just be also a factor of how long you've been one of these things? Because even in, like, the vampire movies, a lot of times they're very hesitant at the beginning, but then they realize, well, this is just how it is. I just got to kill people or I'm not going to live, you know? Well, I don't
0: know, because... Um, Guy Pierce's character, Boyd, was longer than probably either of them, you know? Because Oh, possibly because yeah. of the
1: blood that drips into his mouth at the beginning. Right. Yeah.
0: Which already gets him set up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. He wasn't yep. all That's the way true. there, but he was already starting. And he already was having distinct problems
1: right. with that. So yeah. Remember the was.
0: scene where they're all eating the steak, and yeah. it's a very, very bloody rare steak, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to eat that either. He was having problems. But
1: I thought it was just the PTSD from him seeing all the blood. Yeah. It
0: it sets you up because you're thinking one thing and then it's like, oh, yeah. No,
1: we're talking like mystical cannibalism here. And that's not what I thought. I was thinking PTSD, but it's mystical cannibalism. It's probably Easy, easy mistake to make. It happens all the time. Right. You know? (laughs) So,
0: but then twice he's confronted with, you know, eat or die. Mm-hmm. And he eats. The first time is when he falls off the cliff. yeah, And he's got to eat Reich in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, when when Colhoun pushes it and just and sh- shoves a knife straight in, he says, well, now you got no choice. Now you have right. to either eat this bowl of shit or you die. And he does it.
1: You know what? Again, I want... What was made first, this or Interview with the Vampire? Because that exact scene happens in that movie, too.
0: Um, I'm pretty sure Interview with the Vampire was before this.
1: Well, yeah, because you remember, that was the whole Tom Cruise shtick. I'm going to give you the choice. I never had. Yeah, Interview then, with
0: the Vampire was 1994.
1: Yeah, so like they bite him, and it's like, well, either become <clears throat> one of me or you die right now. That's Yeah, so that that's definitely not unique to this movie. But, sure, sure. But... um. It's still powerful.
0: Sure, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. we all get put in that position. What would you yeah, do? Yeah. Yeah. And know?
1: everybody thinks, everybody thinks I would be the moral upstanding. And uh, it annoys well, me so much that people don't realize how fragile life is. You if, know?
0: If we were to put ourselves into the movie's universe and if we get rid of the idea, you know, the. The knowledge that it, eating humans will just get you sick instead of making you right. better, and though the the myths are all true, and you could do that, and you had the opportunity, would you give it a try?
1: I think I would do it if I had the ultimatum, like um, like what's his face? Um, oh, so like, like boy did tuberculosis or something? No, 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 no. Like it. Um, well, yeah, maybe even that, because I mean that's kind of you're just slowly dying. Of something natural but like getting stabbed and then having to make a decision in the moment as you're mm-hmm. bleeding out yeah I, I could see myself making a dumb choice and then I could also see myself trying to rationalize things and be like well maybe I could be a good Wendigo you know <laughs> and like i maybe... only
0: eat bad people right
1: exactly I'm just gonna go eat criminals it's a or...
0: slippery slope it is
1: it is that's exactly what I I could see myself trying to rationalize mm-hmm. it and then just going crazier and crazier because I, at some point, wouldn't be able to rationalize Mm -hmm. it anymore.
0: Yeah, and at at some point, you're just going to stop. Yeah. And you're just going to accept who you are. So in a lot of ways, Calhoun has just already done that. He just sort of fast-forwarded. Didn't take him very long. Didn't take him very long. In fact, (laughs) he seemed to quite enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He already must have had some kind of sociopathic tendencies. Well, you figure
0: he was that close to death. And when something completely changes your situation like that, Mm -hmm. you gotta figure it's gotta change your way of thinking too. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. He probably had some level of sociopath in him already. So
1: I mean, I would be looking for all sorts of loopholes. Mm -hmm. Like, well, can I just like drink a little bit of blood? You know, can I just like siphon some blood off people and drink that? And would that be enough? Or could I just like go? skis around hospitals and like eat the limbs of amputees you know <laughs> could I just you know <laughs> I'd be looking for all those well balls. I
0: mean you know it depends if it's just the flesh maybe but if it's again if it's the Native American part where it's the stealing of the strength well then you're going to want to look for the strongest person right you're not going to prey on the weak because you're not going to be getting very much
1: from them. Okay, but you know what? He, it just because it's an amputee doesn't mean it's a weak person. No, maybe. Because you don't know what they're having an amputation for. And second, but, he ate on that other soldier who had been laying there rotting for like three weeks. Sure. And ate that, and that was enough to give him strength to make it back to and, camp. And so, I
0: imagine that when push comes to shove, you'll take anyone. Right. But in the normal sense, I imagine you become a predator and you start cruising around just like a wolf does. You know, wolves are one of the few predators who mm-hmm. don't pick off the 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 weak and the slow. They go after the strongest one as a group because that's the best meat. Right. Same thing I would think in this position if if you had your druthers, you'd be looking out for that bodybuilder. No,
1: I would be the turkey buzzard of the <laughs> Wendigo world. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Hey, little kid, you, you shame that you just lost your finger in that tractor accident. Nom nom nom.
0: <laughs> let, let, let me let me watch your baby.
1: Oh yeah, I would totally be hanging around like all the most dangerous occupations, you know, mm-hmm. like the meat packing facilities and stuff. Be like, "Oh, uh, that that going down that conveyor belt that's a human finger. Give me some of that."
0: Or shit, just get yourself locked up in a prison. There's yep. instant food everywhere. That's you just, true. You just got to kill them, eat them, and nom, nom, nom.
1: I'd, I think I'd feel bad about that, though, knowing the amount of people that are wrongfully incarcerated. Like, oh, you weren't a serial killer. It was actually, you know, your cousin. I'm sorry, I ate you. And now you're uh, killed with cereal. I'd put I you uh, yeah, I'd put you in my little jacks. Yeah, I put you in my, yep, yep. Oh, good <laughs> grief. Yeah. I liked, uh, there were some interesting little details in it, too, that, that, that were subtle enough to make them artful mm-hmm. you know like sure. when like at the beginning he's like you want a walnut these just came in from wherever and he was making a big deal and he had to pull down one of his biggest books and smash it with the book so they could get it open Right. and then at the end he's just casually walks by picks one up and crushes it with like, his like not bare even one he
0: had like like four of them like
1: just with his bare hand bare hands. but it, it, but they didn't linger on it it was subtle and nobody said anything about right. it it was just right. He's hella strong now, you know, compared to what he was at the beginning of the movie because he's right. been eating people. Well,
0: plus, you know, that is consistent because we saw what happened with Colquhoun where he gets shot. And then when he comes back masquerading as Colonel Ives, they're like, well, let me see your shoulder. And they, they look at both his shoulders and the wound is gone.
1: Yeah. It's like you you heal and you get stronger. Yeah.
0: And that's pretty freaking powerful ass magic because... That's yeah, that's amazing, but it's the compound fracture that gets me.
1: Yeah, and
0: that's kind of one of the other little criticisms I have is that that period of time went a little fast. I mean if was he really there two weeks? like how long was he there? Maybe if it was two weeks and he, he ate the whole guy and I could see maybe that happening. But even Calhoun says, no, you didn't eat much of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you left a lot of it behind because he he was tough. tough, Which, as a soldier, (laughs) he should should be. should be, right. I thought that was funny. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he didn't eat a whole lot of them. Right. But apparently enough to heal a compound fracture, enough to walk, you know, a three days walk.
0: Yeah. I guess my (laughs) feeling is, if that really were the case, somewhere along the line, human history would have been different. We would not have had that taboo. It would have been more... Yeah. People would have figured that out a long time ago.
1: Well, I think most people assume that the taboo against cannibalism is just um, cultural. You know, it's just, it, you know, it's evil and somehow the body is sacred and all this kind of stuff when actually there are reasons we think that. it. It's probably a combination of both, though. Like, even if we didn't get diseases like that, I'm not so sure that we would eat people unless we were desperate. Um, like how many of us eat dogs in the United States, right? Yeah. Now, in some places in the world, though, they do eat dogs, and they don't have the emotional attachment to them right. that we do, and and cats, you know, and, and horses are, even. And there are actually
0: not very many actually um, documented cases of true cannibalism. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are some, and there are some where it's more symbolic, where you're just eating a part you know, as opposed yeah. to devouring the entire body, which is what's going on here. Right. You right. know what I mean? Um, and, of course, if you're just devouring a part, your the odds of, of catching a disease go much smaller. Unless you're eating the brains and spinal fluid, in which mm-hmm. case you're screwed. Um, <laughs> but the thing is that prions are all over, are all over oh, our bodies. Okay. As a matter of fact, from what I have read, and I'm not sure if it's the prions or what, but they say that one of the reasons why they will hunt down and kill man eaters like lions and tigers is because they get a taste for human flesh.
1: And they like it. And they like it. Oh. Same thing with a
0: shark. They'll go after a shark and make sure to find that one because Yeah, it it's no longer eating what it's you know. It's like you find that Reese cup for the very first time in your life and you eat it and you're like, oh my God, this is delicious. I'm eating nothing but that. Oh nom nom nom
1: Right. right. Mm -hmm. Except
0: instead of a Reese cup is yeah, people.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not much of a stretch. So
0: think about that. We are tasty and juicy to everybody else. Yeah. That's why the zombies keep coming for well, munchies. Well,
1: yeah, and we'd be tasty and juicy to each other, too. You know?
0: <laughs> but weren't for those darn little prions, which, you know, thanks, evolution. Yeah. Had to ruin everything forever. Yeah, everyone.
1: we could have had, like, an endless supply of, like... Do you remember the Simpsons episode when Homer accidentally cuts off his finger or something and then he realizes it's delicious mm-hmm. and he eventually just eats his entire body?
0: Imagine a world where it was routine <laughs> to eat humans. Not necessarily have to kill them in order. You don't have to. We, we have enough people just dying in and of themselves that you could just... Eat people when they died it didn't have to even be your own if you had to get past that if you you know eat someone in your own family you could trade them around <laughs> I'll, I'll trade your two cousins for Uncle Milty here
1: well I had I read a book gosh probably 15 years or more ago now where the author was literally making the, the argument at the beginning of the book that we should be eating all the euthanized cats and dogs. Ugh. Because, I mean, I know, but... Horrible. All right, but they're already dead. Waste and, not, want not. Yeah, yeah. And there are people that are starving, you know? So, I was and now this guy, of course, was a strict vegan, but so this, you know, was a little tongue-in-cheek. Ah, uh, get it? Oh, uh, so animal. in other words, this but, was
0: the... Uh, uh, oh, God. Um, uh, what is the Irish writer um, who did the whole thing about, um, you know... All these Irish people are poor and destitute people, we should just eat them.
1: Um, no, no. It, 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 the w- guy who wrote Gulliver's Travels. No, Jonathan Swift. Jonathan Swift. A modest, Swift. Proposal. modest Proposal. No, it wasn't that. It was uh, Jonathan Saffron Fower, I think. Um, the guy that wrote Everything is Illuminated. And then there was, I can't remember what the next book was, but it was that next book, I think. But anyway, yeah. You would think vegans would
0: be pleased, though, because if in a world where we were eating, cannibalism was not a problem, you really wouldn't have industrialized meat processing for animals. You wouldn't need that. That's true. You, you I'm know? just
1: waiting for them to no to, cemeteries. I, I want to get to the point where oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're selling me a little bit, but uh, <laughs> you know,
0: all these cultural norms that we've built up around disposing of our dead friends in this particular way would be completely different in that other situation we have
1: other ways that we could solve that we just need to make composting human bodies legal everywhere you know yeah
0: green burials yeah
1: Yeah. well not even just that you just you you throw the bodies in with a certain kind of bacteria and like in two weeks it's compost and um then you spread it in the garden so or yogurt
0: depending on the cultures you're using you mean you that's You can make yogurt that way, too. You can make yogurt out of people? Even yogurt, yeah, yeah.
1: Go-gurt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I would be jogurt. Yeah. Soylent green, that's people. Oh. You
0: know, it's just funny. You know, back then, it was such a big shock, and now today, I'm wondering if people are going to be like, eh, you know, whatever. Oh.
1: Well, um, we're getting to the point where we can grow meat in laboratories. Yeah. So... I mean, yeah. wh- why not? Somebody's gonna try. it. You know, somebody's gonna try it. Human meat.
0: <laughs> I mean, who knows? You know, I don't know. I mean, if you could do it, without Flame the primes, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think I would eat it myself. It's kind of gross. Oh, that'd
1: be so meta. You could be like, "Here's some of my DNA. Grow me a Joe patty, and I'm gonna eat it." I mean, if you
0: could, <laughs> with, if you could monkey your DNA so with a nice
1: Chianti, your, your arm grow a
0: sausage every <laughs> every three months, and you just. Harvest it from (laughs) yourself. Oh my gosh! You know, but I mean, the thing is, is that you know, nature doesn't work like that. You would have to. I already grow cheese between
1: my toes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you, you would have to consume x amount of calories in order to produce this extra bit of flesh. In order for it to be worth it to be able to harvest your own, yeah, but that's already what we do with
1: when we eat animal products because you have to feed cows so much more grain. Then you would have to eat to subsist. Have to go to cows, didn't you? Oh, wow. Okay, chickens, fine. Chickens, chickens, whatever. You know what? I, y- you could either feed the chickens a bunch of corn, and fatten them up and eat the chicken, or you could just eat all that corn yourself, and it'd be less corn than you fed the chicken.
0: Yeah, but nutritionally, they're not nearly the same. You're getting True. a lot more from the chicken. The thing is, is that unlike our poor, starving, skinny ancestors. We don't have to run around hunting fowl in the forest and expending all that energy we in don't. order to feed ourselves. Oh, I've been
1: doing something wrong. No,
0: we <laughs> drive our fat asses over to Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and we get a big giant bucket of extra crispy, which is like ten thousand calories right then and there. And yep. we didn't we didn't burn calorie one in order yeah. to do that.
1: Yep. You know? We even consumed calories just thinking about it, I think. You just pull them out of the air. Right. <laughs> so
0: that was the same thing. If we were eating humans and the easy pluckins, we'd all be fit probably as well. Yeah. You know? So... <laughs> well, for this like, morality thing, yeah. Like in Fight
1: Club, they uh siphon off you know all the human fat from liposuctions and they use it to make soap.
0: There you go, yeah. we <laughs> now, can just drink that. Here's the thing though lipo it's, shake it's not just a cultural or you know Christian morality thing, this is a pretty much universal taboo, mm-hmm. and even in like I said, in those few tribal cultures where they practice. Semi cannibalism, like where it's symbolic. symbolic. Yeah, yeah, it's always just a little thing, you know. Maybe that, like some, like the heart or not something not enough else. to make yeah, them. Not the entire. You're not. You're not hunting humans in order to consume them. That is not done, and that is a universal taboo. So that's kind of why I like this movie is that it's it yeah. makes people think differently about this taboo, mm-hmm. and the whole mystical magical thing is all built around that taboo, and the Native American. Um, when dingo myth about it is wrapped up in that taboo mm-hmm. as well which again harkens back hundreds of thousands of years when we were all you know uh, neanderthal ish mm-hmm. so it's it's a really fascinating film in my opinion and um i think more people should check it out don't i
1: you? do too i thought it was extremely well done mm-hmm. i was impressed
0: and the fact that it gets so little talked about as it is, it's just kind of a shame.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk it up.
0: I can see where this is not some people's cup of tea, especially if you're looking for just a ha-ha comedy or a brr, scary movie. This is something totally different, and and it's sort of subversive.
1: I would say I I liked your... um, uh, comparison to The Thing,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: how it's... Because it is very atmospheric and very... Oh, very because, atmospheric. Because it's... You're, you know, isolated and um, with this source of terror that you can't escape. And I... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of thing really does it for me. I like those kinds of movies.
0: Not only that, but That's why I
1: like gothic horror so
0: much. You're dealing with a, a monster that could become you, and now you're the monster. It's the same thing with The Thing.
1: Yeah, hence the Nietzsche quote at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so really, really well done. And yeah, it blows my mind that this film had such a troubled production that Mm -hmm. it was so up in the air. I mean, the fact is this, most of the time this just would never have been made or would have been a disaster.
1: And you would never know it to watch this Mm -mm. because you didn't even tell me that before we watched it, you just said that there were some interesting things around the production. Interesting I was like, oh, okay. story. And and but I didn't think anything like that. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, it got bungled so badly. But I would um,
0: love to talk to some of the insiders, some uh, of the producers, or some of the people who were there, and just they'll yeah, be like,
1: we were drunk the all of- the time. We were so stressed out yeah. because we thought it was all going to hell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that was on peyote, he was really on peyote <laughs> because we were stressed out.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. And um, yeah, that was way cool. So I'm glad you had a chance to check it out. Yeah, I really liked it. And everybody out there, thank you very much for joining us. Please, if you get the chance, go check out uh, Ravenous. I know there is a Blu-ray version because that's the one that I've got, and it looks absolutely glorious. The colors are fantastic. All of the, the imagery mm. is fantastic. The music is really, really good, and I just can't say enough good things about it. And it's a shame uh, poor Antonio Bird passed away, I think, in 2015, 2016. Aww. So she's no longer around. Um, but it's a shame because, you know, I, I would love to have seen more from her and more from if she was the main person who to altered the movie to the way that it is now, I would love to have seen more yeah. along these lines, you know? Yep. so. There you go. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and please join us next time on another episode of Forgotten Horror Classics.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: And now I want to eat all of the cheeseburgers. What? Or human
1: burgers. The human burgers? Oh. The human burgers. Yeah. Ah! Ah! What? Oh, what? What? Ah! Ah! it? What is it? What is, 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 is
0: it? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up! Toph! What's the matter? Wake up! Wake up! He was licking me. What? He was... he was licking... No. He was licking me! Rike! Yes! Yes! Rike, we bandaged Toph's wounds. Yes. You come outside. Outside! You can sleep outside! Boyd, you too. Stay there. Sick man outside!
1: I can't can't explain. Explain! Uh